Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jay? I'm great, Jim. Good to be back. Good to see you. So good to see you. I know, Jay, that you're spending a lot of time in the urban center of our town. Yes. And in that context, you have some work with a a mission that helps guys who are homeless. Yes. And I'm just throwing that out there because you see every week a world of not enough. People who are not able, for whatever reason, whatever their backstory, to make ends meet. And they find themselves without a place to live, to sleep, to eat. And yet you work and live in a neighborhood where that is provided for. Yes. I mean, would you say that our world has uh, got too much or too little? I think it's the perception, and it always is a perception that there's not enough. But you know what? I see every day how Jesus ends up providing what is needed. And boy, that's a concept that I need to learn to live by as well. Well, when you talk about uh, more than enough in a world of not enough, mm-hmm. it reminds me of a phrase that everyone in the English language knows. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It refers to a famous story where Jesus took a few loaves of bread and a couple fish and was able to somehow supernaturally feed a crowd of mm-hmm. thousands. And, you know, at the end of that story, there's more. In other words, not only is everyone fed, but they collect 12 baskets, the scripture tells us, 12 baskets of leftovers. And That tells me that there is an economy in life Mm. of God, our creator, of heaven itself, when it touches earth, that can provide more than enough when we think there is not enough. Yes. And we're starting a series on Viewpoint today about this whole idea of more than enough when there's not enough. And how do we navigate in a world where sometimes we run into walls and we just can't get around them. We find valleys so deep we can't cross them, mountains so tall we can't climb them. We just aren't able to put our hands on enough, it seems, or to fill our hearts with enough to feel like we're whole and complete. We can't find enough to give us life. And today, as we start this series, we want to dive in to some really fundamental ideas that I think can frame all of us in a way that we'll know that we can have enough, and we can even have more than enough when the world tells us there's not enough. Jay Harvey, I know that you uh, are no stranger to some of the great books of all time. You're well-read. You, I mean, you're, you're just a brilliant guy. Okay, so of all the books you've read, yes. I know that you like that New Testament book. I sure do. And uh, in that book, there is a singular work called John's Gospel. Mm. And uh, this book is kind of a standalone in the sense that it's not really like any of the other books in the Bible. It's not like any other book really that's ever been written. We think it was authored by John himself, who was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus in this world. And as he opens this book, which is a kind of biography, but also a kind of doctrinal guide to life book, he uses some of the most famous language ever written. Right. And uh, in English especially, it is something that is seared into the history of Western civilization. It's a fantastic read. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take the first part of that book today as we think about more than enough in a world of not enough. And so I'm just going to dive in, Jay, if you don't Great. mind. And I'm going to start reading from the very beginning of John's Gospel and then pick it up and help me out at sure. the end. Be happy to. This is what John wrote. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. 
The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. And now picking up in verse 8, John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Wow. Wow. I mean, this is the stuff of great drama and literature and deep philosophy and life-altering perspective. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, that's another famous phrase in the English language, feeding the 5,000, in the beginning. I mean, these are words that come out of Scripture. But when I say, in the beginning, God, Mm -hmm. I'm not referring to this passage, but from another place in the Bible. Right. Genesis. Genesis, famously. But both the first words of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God, and the first words of John's gospel, in the beginning was the Word, help us understand that understanding the beginning is really key. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything else that follows in the book of Genesis, everything else that follows the book of John is actually keyed into this concept of beginning. So let me ask you, Jay, Mm -hmm. if... If I were to ask you about your beginning, right. what's, what's your beginning? Most of us don't think about life this way, but if you could say, well, my life really began when, what would you say? Um, I, you know, I think a normal answer for me would be when I got my first job, maybe, or when I got married. Maybe that's what my wife would say, when my life really began <laughs> be careful was when here. I got married. She's going to hear this. I know. But I think that's what everybody does. They, they look at some significant moment in their life at some point and say, well, that's when I really began my life. But... I'm not so sure that's true. When you say you got your first job, what was that first job? Oh, I was in sales. Uh, well, see, there we go again. I'm, I'm already saying that it was my job after college, but my very, very first job was when I was 13 years old and I worked on a golf course. So evidently, I'm not saying my life began there. I'm saying I my life began with my first real job, but I hated that job. So <laughs> so you can see where this is leading, Jim. Well, the point is where we think we begin actually has a lot of possibilities to frame our approach, not just to our past, but to our future. So I think you've given some great answers that many of us would give. My life began when I got a job, when I began to work for anything at 13, or when I worked to provide for myself, or when I got married, or when I had children. I think that's a life-altering event that even changed me up more than getting married did. But wait a minute. I remember when I went to junior high school, this kind of threshold in Mm -hmm. my own journey of like, I'm not a child anymore. I'm becoming a man. And there was this, you know, all that stuff that goes on in your head when you're an adolescent. But that's really not our beginning either. Oh, maybe it's the day I was born. Mm. Maybe that's when I began. My birthday is August 2nd, so therefore, that's my beginning. Oh, but honestly, I'm not sure our birthday is our beginning either because actually I was, I was alive before I made the big entrance. 
That's right? What the, that's what the Bible so, says. So, so does my beginning go back to my conception? Well, you know, when that, that egg and sperm join together some mysterious way, is that my beginning? I mean, for many of us, it's hard to actually draw a line. Some people would hmm. say that you're not really a person at that moment of conception, but when you reach the age of viability. What do you think about your beginning? But all of that brings us back to what we just read, Jay. Right. In the beginning was the Word. Hmm. The Word here is an English translation of the Greek term logos. Mm -hmm. And here, John is telling us that Jesus is the Word, and he is the idea, the projection, the thoughts, the being of God in human form. He is the Word of God, so to speak, that became flesh and dwelt among us. He is God in human form. And John makes the case that he is not just God in human form, he's the creator God. Mm. That nothing, nothing that exists was made without him. He is the author of all that is created. Everything in the material realm, everything in the spiritual realm is a creation of the one God who became flesh in the person of Jesus. Now, are you familiar with a passage in Ephesians? This is mm. another New Testament book, Jay. Mm -hmm. Chapter 1, it says, mm. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you right, and planned for you to be adopted as his very own child. What, what we have there, as well as elsewhere in the Bible... You're God's masterpiece, created new in Christ Jesus mm -hmm. for the purpose of good works that God planned long ago beforehand. In other words, before you were, he already had a plan of good things for you to do. What I'm suggesting here is, does our beginning go back to our birth or our conception or maybe even before that? I don't say that we were created yet. I'm not one of those who thinks that we're just some a soulless being waiting for our right. body. There's some people who buy that. I'm not buying that. But I am suggesting that in the mind of God, right. before the world even was, he dreamed us up. Mm. He imagined us. He thought, you know, I'm going to create this guy. Mm. And I'm going to drop him into my creation at just this time. And I've got things for him to do. They're good works I planned before he even was. But I know that I'm going to need him here now. He has a destiny and a purpose. You see, these ideas about our beginning have huge impact on the way we go forward. Because if that's what I believe, then that means I'm not here by random chance. Right. My beginning is not just consequent to some mad act of passion of two people who may not have been thinking about conceiving a child. That was certainly the case on my conception. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I know that they were not planning that. So all this to say, where you think about your beginning makes a difference. And if you, what you're saying is true, and I believe it is, it actually encourages me to know that I don't have to pick a beginning. I don't, I don't have to, to find a, a place in my life where I think, oh, now I've finally started doing something worthwhile. Because if the Creator God knew me and imagined me, and uh, as you said, uh, b before the beginning of time, that means all of this time he's had me in mind. This is simply where I am now. And it brings a, a whole new world uh, of encouragement and hope and redemption to my life now where I can see and, and things are tangible. But wow, if this is true, then that means before the beginning, I was still in existence at some point in his mind, in the creator's mind. That must mean 
that he absolutely is in control of my life. And he absolutely will, as the scripture says, finish what he has begun. That, that brings all new meaning to all of that. So really, it gets me off the hook to try to pick the best beginning part of my life, because if the Bible's true, and I believe that it is, it says that he began me. And it wasn't when I was conceived or when I was born. It was in the mind of God. Wow. And that means you have enormous worth and value. Exactly. Uh, Again, not just incidental, not just microscopic, but real purpose, value, and worth. So as we think about this idea of our beginning with God, our beginning goes back to Jesus. Jesus Mm. is the creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Mm. all things were made by Him, including you, Jay Harvey, and me. And nothing was made without him. When we come back, let's think some more about what that implies in our daily walk now. If that's all true, how does that affect me going forward, and what can I hope for in this idea of Jesus the Creator, who is my beginning? We'll be right back.
I realize as you listen to Viewpoint, you might think, wait a minute, if that's true then, or I've got a question, we want you to know we're always glad to hear from you. You can dial this number 24 hours a day and seven days a week, toll free, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We'll give you the number again at the end of our program today, but we want you to know right now, we're always glad to hear from you too. We're not just interested in you listening to us. Jay Harvey, we're talking about Jesus as the beginning of all things, the creator of all things, and that includes us. Mm. Now, when I think about Jesus, I I have all kinds of images, and I think most of our listeners do too. (laughs) There are very few people listening today who have not heard about Jesus, heard something about it. So maybe you see him on a cross. How do you see him? Mm -hmm. What else would you say? What image comes to mind? Yeah, Easter, the cross. uh, a picture that your grandmother had up of um, somebody with long hair with a <laughs> with, with a nice smile or there a smirk. Go. Yeah, I mean, it's it just... Uh, How about that manger scene? The manger scene, of course, yes. Yeah. How about that Jesus with little kids on his lap, you know, laughing right. and blessing a, them or so on? Or, or a button at, at Christmas that says, Jesus is the reason for the season. I, <laughs> there you, you go. Know. Yeah. Uh, almost always with some long robes and sure. long hair. I wonder um, if Jesus ever considered a man bun. Oh, that's I probably, I, I know we just don't know. But I'm just saying we have these images of Jesus. And then when we think about Jesus as a person, well, uh, he's a miracle worker. Mm-hmm. Come on. He, mm-hmm. He's recorded as doing all kinds of supernatural stuff. I realize some people listening today may think, well, that's hogwash. Nobody could do that. But, but still, that's part of the profile. He's a person who seemed to have deep friendships and relationships, mm-hmm. got a crowd of 12 that follow him about and willing to walk away from their business so they can be in his company. There are all kinds of ways we think about Jesus. Sometimes we think about Jesus as kind of the rescue right. uh, guy. Right. I'm in trouble. Help me, Jesus. Right. Right. Uh, Santa Claus, I need something. Can you provide it, Jesus? That's right. But one thing that's really impressed upon me as I'm reading this today is that Jesus is the creator. Right. Wonder worker, you got it. Mm-hmm. Born in a manger, I believe it. Uh, nailed to a cross, yep. Raised from the dead, empty tomb, I'm there. Yep. But the thing that's kind of new insight for me, he's the creator. And this is really important because if Jesus is the creator who has the capacity to be my beginning, in other words, before I even was imagined by anyone in this world, before I was born into this world, he knew me, he imagined me, and then he created me and he, he brought me into this world at just the right time. Mm-hmm. If he could do that, what does he do with the gym? or the J, but -hmm. I should speak here for myself alone, who's messed up so many times. Mm. I mean, honestly, as I look back over my life, and I've lived a lot longer than you, J. Hardy. (laughs) I mean, you know, as I look back over my life, I think, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Wish I hadn't thought that. Wish I hadn't said that. Wish I had done that Mm -hmm. instead of just sitting silently by the curb and letting that wickedness walk by. Mm -hmm. I wish I had intervened to help someone when I could have made a difference for them, but I was too selfish and just didn't want to be bothered. I mean, there's so many things I look back over my life, I think, wow, I'm not, I'm not all that. I like to think of myself as a nice guy, but honestly, when I think about myself, there are times when I'm just ashamed mm. of who I have been. What do you think the idea of Jesus as a creator can do for me? Wow. I'm so encouraged by the fact that now that I think through some other scriptures and based on what you just said, I read them and I hear them differently. He's creating in me a new heart. He's the creator. He is uh, making me a new creation. How? Just because I believe? Yes, and I have faith, but it's because of who he is. He's the creator. Therefore, he can create me new and fresh. And, And that also goes 
hand in hand with if I don't have to pick my own beginning, he has picked it. That doesn't mean I have to go back and make up for some things that I think I need to. He's been there all along. He's the one that can create in me the redemptive heart, the, the regenerated life that, that I'm seeking. We have to put it in his hands, not because just he's the savior, he's the creator. And in this idea of Jesus, this is what I think is the reality of Jesus. We're not just scrubbing up our old selves. Right. He's going to create in us a new self. Exactly. A chance to start fresh. Because as we read in the text of John chapter 1 today, John the Baptist bore witness that Jesus Mm -hmm. was all of that, that he was the creator, that he was God in person and so on. John was not the light, but Jesus was the light. So John was just drawing our attention to Jesus is the light, but that light of Jesus is the light of all humankind, and in that light is life. Mm. When Jesus, the Creator, comes close to you, and you make a decision to allow Him access to your heart, to your mind, to your soul, to your course of life, when you allow Him to intervene, and in fact, surrender yourself to Him, the Creator God in the person of Jesus can create in you something completely new. John's gospel has another famous passage that many people have heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is a segue into creating new life, Mm -hmm. eternal life. Mm -hmm. And then goes on to talk in that same chapter about how you have to be born again. You have to be born again, not just of the flesh, not just of blood and water, but of the spirit. Otherwise, that life eternal can't be yours. You can't get understanding or entrance into the kingdom. All of this works together so magnificently and is coming together for me in new understanding. Yes. Jesus, the creator, made me. He is now willing to recreate me, cause me to be born again, fresh and new with a clean piece of paper. Mm -hmm. So I can start fresh. And he's willing to forgive the life that I messed up that he gave me the first time and give me a chance to now walk with him. Hmm. And that, my friends, is the life-altering power of the gospel. Because if you can wrap your arms around that, if you can actually make a decision to embrace this idea, I promise you, your life can go forward with new energy and new hope and new fulfillment like you've never known. John, at the end of his book that we call John's Gospel, said, These things have been written that you might find life knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, and find life in his name. That's why these things were written, and that's why we're here talking to you today. Because Jesus came to give life, life abundantly, not just meager threads, not just little parcels or morsels of life. No, life abundant, more than enough in a world of not enough. Wherever you've been in life, whatever you've done, whatever may have stained your memory with shame or guilt or loss, wherever you are, know this, Jesus loves you. He values you. He considers you of great worth, so much so that he would take your place and pay your dues for your failures. On the cross, he did, for your sin. And yet, he still wants to breathe new life into you, having cleaned up the cost of your failure. And all of us have some of that sin in our lives. He's now willing to create in us a new life and to cause us to be born again. All you have to do is say, Lord, I need this gift. I want this gift. And I surrender my life to you. Please forgive me 
for the ways in which I have failed, for the wrong I have done, and the right things I have refused to do. Forgive me, Lord, and cause me to be born again. I ask you, Jesus, my creator, to create in me anew, anew me. Folks, this is the starting place of all life that's fulfilling. And we want to invite you to take a step that way by praying with us right now. Just take a deep breath and know that Jesus, the creator God, is listening. He's present. He's right by you. He's just waiting for you to say, Lord, have me. Pray with us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. This pure expression of your own thought and word. And we thank you for the work he has done to make it possible for us to be born again, that work on the cross. And we admit, Lord, that the life you gave us, the first and original life you gave us, has sometimes been stained by our own failure, our sin, our selfishness, our unwillingness to do the right thing. And Father, we just admit that. That's our universal experience. And and no matter what we do, no matter how many bills we pay, no matter how much we try and make it right, we can never scrub it clean enough. And so, Lord, we just give you our lives as they are, broken, stained, sometimes of which we're ashamed. And we ask you to create in us a new life. Cause us to be born again of the Spirit. And give us new, new chances, Lord, to write on clean pieces of paper in ways that please you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will strive within us and empower us to live above what used to drag us down. And I pray, Lord, that you will just give us more than enough life in this world where so far there's not been enough life to satisfy us. We're so thankful, Lord, that you hear our prayer. And I pray, Lord, and I believe, Lord, that even as I am praying now out loud, there are many others listening today who are joining us in this prayer. Hold them close and encourage them and help them to know before one week passes that they have been born again new. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus, who is both a creator and a savior, a friend and a wonder worker, this Jesus who is God, give us a call. Dial this number 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're by the phone, a live voice from our ministry team. Let us hear from you. Jay, if someone would prefer not to call but would like to check us out online, do you know where they go? I believe that is www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's it. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's our moniker, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there, check out the ministry, and send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018. USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Jay Harvey, always glad to be with you. Mm, So thought-provoking and so great to do this program with you, Jim. So glad to see that God created you. I see his hands all over you. Hey. And same to our audience. We know the Lord has created you, and we just pray that you will find more than enough life as you surrender to him. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, For all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.